WNYC Studios is supported by Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, it's Latif from Radiolab. Our goal with each episode is to make you think, how did I live this long and not know that? Radiolab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Listen wherever you get podcasts. AI-generated video made a huge leap this month, but how could it be misused? My first thought was, whoa, followed very closely by my second thought of, oh, this is going to impact a lot. It's Monday, February 26th, and don't worry, we've got you covered. It's Science Friday. I'm Sci-Fi producer Dee Peterschmidt. Earlier this month, OpenAI previewed its newest AI product called Sora, which can produce extremely realistic video from just a text prompt. And unless you're an eagle-eyed AI expert, it's pretty much impossible to distinguish these artificial videos from those shot on a drone or a smartphone. Unlike previous OpenAI products, Sora won't be released right away, but the fidelity of these videos prompted a polarizing response on social media, with some marveling at how far the tech has come, while others expressed alarm at the unintended consequences of releasing such a powerful product to the public, especially during an election year. Rachel Toback, an ethical hacker and CEO of Social Proof Security, joined guest host Sophie Bushwick to talk about Sora and what it could mean for the rest of us. Rachel, what was your reaction when you first saw these videos? My first thought was, whoa, I am super impressed with how realistic they are, followed very closely by my second thought of, oh, this is going to impact a lot. I mean, just last year, we saw Will Smith eating spaghetti and it looked so far from real life, it was hard to imagine how long it would take to get. It was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was very, it was very uncanny valley creepy. Yes. So creepy. And people would ask me, how long do you think it's going to take to get from Will Smith eating spaghetti to, you know, an actual good realistic video? And I said, maybe two years. And I was wrong. It took one. Wow. Yeah. And what are some of the potential risks of giving a lot of people access to this kind of technology? So the issue with AI-generated video is that there are unfortunately many ways that adversaries can use that content to manipulate us, confuse us, fish us, and just harm people in general. Now, we've seen OpenAI already talk about this. They said we have rules in place with things like there's no violence allowed, no celebrity likeness, etc., but adversaries can quickly find ways to use a tool like Sora within the rules of the tool to still trick or harm people. I'll give you a few examples here. So imagine an adversary uses an AI video generation tool to show unimaginably long lines. We're talking hundreds upon hundreds of people in terrible weather to convince people it's not worth it to head out to vote that day. You could prompt the tool to make a video that doesn't break the rules, but it's all in how it's used on social media. Another example is, Imagine an adversary creates a video of a large group of people wearing suits, waiting for an ATM outside of a bank. This could induce panic for markets or cause a bank run, like what we saw last year with some of the photos that introduced some chaos as it related to banking. 
Another example is an adversary uses an AI video generation tool to show a human arm that has turned dark green after a medical procedure at a clinic. They could use this video on social media to trick others into avoiding care during something like a public health emergency. So the prompts themselves might be innocuous, but these quote-unquote rule-following AI videos can still trick people, destabilize public health, elections, banking confidence, and more. And it's great that OpenAI is red-teaming Sora with experts. That's a great thing. But without addressing how the videos will be used, labeled, managed on social media, the team won't be able to actually impact where the true risk starts, which is how they're used to trick people on social media. And when you say red teaming, what do you mean by that? Sure. Red teaming is when a group of experts act as adversaries to test out how malicious folks will attempt to manipulate a tool. It's fantastic. I I do red teaming all the time as an ethical hacker. Um, and emulating a real threat on a platform is essential to understanding how it will be abused. But we have to also address how the adversaries will actually leverage the AI-generated videos on social media because that's where the true harm and confusion takes place, not just within the platform itself. And we've actually seen some of those harms from much less powerful technology used for misinformation or hacks. So, you know, bad actors might share a clip from a video game and claim that that's actually a real video showing real violence. And you yourself have demonstrated how deep fake voices can be used to scam people. So what I'm wondering is, how does this AI-generated video change things? What's something that an attacker could do with a model like Sora that wouldn't have been possible with other technology? Oh, 100%. A question that I keep getting asked is, okay, but how is this different from Photoshop? Because people have been getting tricked with Photoshop for years. Mm -hmm. The thing that I want people to understand is that video feels a lot harder to fake for our brains. The way that our brain interprets video information is, hmm, this is probably more likely true than not because it's so hard to, quote, fake a video, end quote. Mm -hmm. Now we know that's not really the case anymore. But when Photoshop first came out, people were like, I believe that this is true. I believe that this is real. And then we slowly over time saw people get course corrected on Facebook or other social media platforms where now they're they're a little bit more likely to, to guess that it might be Photoshop, but they still get tricked with Photoshop even a decade down the line, right? With video, that allows us to create something much more believable, much more realistic. And the general public will take many years, in many cases, three years to catch up to understand what is possible with technology. So they're just now understanding a year or so in that voice cloning is possible. Mm -hmm. It's going to take us a long time to be able to communicate to the general public, people that do not consider themselves techies, that it's possible to create completely realistic, manipulated video that looks to the naked eye completely real. Even though it's really hard to do, are there any giveaways that you can think of that people could look for to figure out whether a video is AI generated? Well, it's super hard to do. OpenAI has actually claimed that they have some level of watermarking. Now, I have a pretty good eye when it comes to spotting that watermark, and it's still really hard for me to see in many cases. Mm -hmm. If you look in the bottom right-hand corner of videos generated by OpenAI within their demo that they released, you'll see little lines 
which then turn into the OpenAI logo after a few seconds. That is a logo that they're trying to say is a good watermark. But we have to remember that the general public is not going to be looking for a few tiny gray lines turning potentially into a logo that they may or may not recognize. That doesn't necessarily mean that they can understand it. A couple of other artifacts that you probably spot, I know I definitely spot them in the cat on the bed video, is we have arms that turn into blankets that turn back into arms. Mm. Things that just don't 100% seem real. And then in the video of there is a woman walking down the streets of Tokyo, there's some interesting artifacts in the background where we can see people kind of morph in and out of each other. It doesn't seem 100% seamless. But that does not mean that it's easy for people to spot, though. Mm -hmm. Well, what about some of the telltale signs that you can use to identify AI-generated still images? For instance, in a still image, often the hands will look a little funky, or if there's writing in the background, it won't actually spell real words. (laughs) Are any of those little hints also, do those also exist in these videos? I was looking for that because we know in a lot of AI-generated pictures that the fingers don't always look right. Maybe there's an extra finger or the ears Mm -hmm. look a little off, like the earrings don't match. Um, Sometimes little fashion elements are easy to spot, like buttons don't reflect the light correctly. But again, those are still kind of hard to spot with the naked eye. But there are little strange artifacts that are left behind. In the Sora video that they released of the woman walking down the street, I did not see the same idiosyncrasies that I was expecting to see. So I'm not exactly sure if we're going to see the strange fingers or the strange ears. It's possible, but I think we have progressed past it in many cases. And I want to go back to something you mentioned, which is this idea of watermarks, these markings on AI-generated content, whether it's images or videos or even text, that provides this telltale sign that what you're looking at is artificial. And some of the bigger tech companies have been coordinating around using watermarks with their AI-generated content. So can you talk about watermarks in general and whether you think this is an effective strategy? Yeah. So in the last few days, we saw 20 or so companies, including OpenAI, Meta, TikTok, X, formerly known as Twitter, come together and pledge to collaborate to reduce the risk of AI-generated content impacting people and elections across the globe. This pledge did not include any specific actions that they would agree to. So it's a bit vague right now, but their collaborations could include working together to develop tools for detecting disinformation, using AI-generated images, video, audio, creating campaigns to educate users on the likelihood of encountering AI-generated misleading content, and detecting AI-generated campaigns on their platforms, including with things like watermarking or embedding metadata, labeling content as AI generated. So we're seeing vague talk about these types of watermarks, but we have to remember without things like embedded metadata or a joint framework to actually remove the content that's affecting elections, public health, et cetera, we're just going to have something that could be cropped out to still trick people. Right. And going beyond hacks and scams, I know that a lot of people worry about AI taking their jobs. So in the case of Sora in particular, what kinds of jobs or services do you think it's going to have an impact on? Well, we're definitely going to see a major impact in photography, videography. 
I know stock photography and videographers saw Sora and were like, oh, goodness gracious, this is going to impact <laughs> our job significantly. Anybody who's in video production, training, we are going to see some major impacts around anywhere that photography or videography touches. And that's everywhere. So I think we're going to see a lot of AI-generated content on things like YouTube or on other social media platforms. It's going to be pretty much everywhere. Mm-hmm. And we've said some some negative things about this technology, some problems that it might present, but there's also a bright side. So can you talk a little bit about if there's benefits to making AI video like this widely accessible? Sure. I could see AI-generated videos helping educators in a classroom, for instance. I used to be a teacher back in the day. So for hard-to-teach concepts, I could imagine generating very quickly a brilliant, beautiful, eye-catching, and exciting video about a topic that I'm trying to teach. Or let's say we're trying to support an underserved population who doesn't have the resources for their creativity. They might be able to unleash their creativity while using a tool that doesn't cost them very much. That is pretty much the extent of it, though. I could see a lot more challenges (laughs) and harm impacting general society. And of course, there will be positive use cases. But, you know, it's my job as an ethical hacker to find the risk. Everybody's got a story about a piece of music. I thought this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. It's about pure experience, pure connection, pure joy. This song allowed me to survive. I'm Terrence McKnight with a new season of The Open Ears Project. Every Monday in under 20 minutes, you'll hear a different guest share their story. So you can start your week on the right note. Listen wherever you get podcasts. And we often end up talking about legislation um, to rein in AI, but a lot of this hasn't so far come to fruition. So do you think that the tone of those conversations might change now that we and lawmakers know what kinds of videos this tech can produce? Yes. Because we're seeing so much buzz in both the positive and negative direction in relation to AI-generated video, audio, voice cloning, photos, my guess is we're going to see this backed up with legislation over time. But we have to remember that adversaries break the law frequently, especially laws related to seemingly anonymous behavior on the internet. Just because there's a law about how you can or can't use an AI tool it doesn't mean that it will be easy to enforce in the World Wide Web. It's a little different than, you know, a police interaction face-to-face, right? These people think that they can hide behind the anonymity of the internet to do whatever they want. And I've got a question that goes back to the Will Smith spaghetti video. Sure. So you could imagine Sora making a much better version of that video, except for the fact that uh OpenAI has said that its technology is not going to be used to make likenesses of politicians or celebrities. But you've also talked about how it's easy to get around some of these restrictions. So what's a good way that hackers could uh, attempt to get around this restriction on likenesses of famous people? I'm sure we're going to see people attempt to circumvent the celebrity likeness rule. My question for OpenAI is, what do they mean by celebrity? Mm. So it might be harder to impersonate, say, Joe Biden or Will Smith. And that's great. I I really want to make it very challenging to be able to do something like that. (laughs) But what about TikTok stars? What about stars from reality TV shows? Uh, What about people who are C or D-list celebrities? Are those people also in the database? We really don't know exactly what they mean by, quote unquote, celebrity. 
I'm guessing at this point, they're not going to be able to put a database together of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, which I'm not sure how they're going to protect folks like TikTok stars or Instagram Mm -hmm. stars or models. And what about the sort of larger AI landscape? Is there any particular technology that you think presents a big security risk or a big boon to hackers that more people should be aware of? Oh, absolutely. The use of AI technology, it makes it so much easier for us to hack. As a hacker, I can clone somebody's voice in a few steps with a few clicks, takes me less than 30 seconds. I can have a dynamic conversation with somebody, tricking them to send or wire money to somebody. I've done this in a 60 Minutes demo where I hack somebody uh, named Elizabeth to get to her boss, effectively stealing the passport number because Elizabeth thinks she's talking to her boss. It's scary, right? And when we have something like Sora, a tool that could potentially be used in conjunction with our AI voice cloning tools, well, now we could potentially create a video of someone who looks pretty similar to a VP at your company and potentially use that to wire money or steal access, gain access to your passwords, etc. We've even seen large companies get hit with these types of scams where the attacker is pretending to be a CFO and a finance team in a live dynamic call, which we haven't seen be super believable yet, but apparently it cost a Hong Kong company $25.6 million when they ended up falling for that deep fake technology in a live dynamic call. So we're going to see some major impacts to the way that we do business and the way that we authenticate people are who they say they are. Yes, I am definitely going to doubt everything I see on a video call from now on out. So thanks for that. (laughs) You're welcome. And thank you for taking the time to talk about this, Rachel. Of course. Thanks for having me. Rachel Toback is an ethical hacker and CEO of Social Proof Security. And that's all the time we have for today. Lots of folks helped make the show happen, including... Danielle Johnson. Jason Rosenberg. Ariel Zitch. John Dankosky. Robin Kazmer. Next time, how an ant invasion led to lions eating fewer zebras in a Kenyan ecosystem. But for now, I'm sci-fi producer Dee Peterschmidt. See you then.